September 4th, New Orleans, Louisiana. The Florida State Seminoles slid down Interstate 10 to the Caesars Superdome, led by their coach, Mike Norvell, to face the LSU Tigers in the lauded Louisiana kickoff classic, led by their new coach, Brian Kelly. The Tigers took the important initial position with an inclination to insert the football forcefully into the end zone, but an elementary error by their unseasoned snapper forced them to settle for a frustrating field goal. Florida State found themselves marching methodically on their initial possession. The Knolls' first foray for points was pushed past the uprights to the right, leaving Seminole supporters summoning strength to not remember recollections rife with remorse for games that got away. The Seminole's subsequent spin of the field resulted in a 14-play, 85-yard masterful matriculation of the ball into the end zone to take the lead 7-3. LSU launched an attack attempting to answer the adversary advantage, but their field goal attempt was blocked. The LSU defense determined to deter the Knolls' next drive, did so and forced a punt. The Seminoles' punt seemingly swayed in the Superdome's suspended shining spotlights, and the LSU returner mishandled and muffed the pointy pigskin, and the nearby Knolls nabbed the ball. Florida State's fortunes fell short as they failed on fourth down, and the score remained 7-3 at halftime. The spry Seminoles shot out of the second half, starting point, scoring on successive drives, stretching their supremacy and spearheading themselves into a 17-3 lead. Looking listless, LSU's liveliness returned as their leader led them back and they bounded into the end zone after a 10-play, 82-yard drive to house the Seminole superiority. The Tigers traded touchdowns with the Steely Seminoles and the score was 24-17. LSU's defense determined to discourage the Knolls' ensuing offensive encounter. The Bayou Bengals bowed up and barred the boys from Tallahassee a final first down. Florida State boots the ball back to the Bayou Bengals, but the ball bounces off the LSU returner, rebounding into the field and recovered by the Seminoles, who are now sitting pretty at the Tigers' eight-yard line. Florida State was fit to fix the final nail in the Tigers' coffin and secure the Seminoles' success. On third and goal, the Knolls tossed the ball recklessly to the running back who couldn't corral the egg-shaped sphere, spilling it to the turf, and the Tigers tumbled on top of the ball. Left with 99 yards to travel to tie the game with a few ticks left on the clock, the Tigers tested the Knolls' notorious pass rush by tiptoeing out of would-be tackles to trace down the length of the long, drawn-out field. One second remained for the Tigers to try to tie the game and the LSU quarterback quickly connected for a final second touchdown. A cavalcade of cheers cascaded from the LSU fans. The game was all but certain to enter into overtime, but still pending was an essential extra point to extend the entanglement. The Seminoles sliced through the seams in the LSU line and jumped into the junction between the ball and the goalpost, blocking the boot by the Tigers kicker. The Knolls notched a noteworthy narrow win for Norvell. Brian Kelly's crew came close but couldn't claw all the way back. Florida State 24, LSU 23. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sickos Committee podcast. This is our week two preview, plus our reviewing the tail end of week one. Got some good things coming up. As always, I'm Jordan. I'm VP of Graphic Design and a whole bunch of other things. With us tonight, we have Commissioner Escalante, and we have our member in good standing, Blue. Blue, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you and the Commish. I'm very excited. Commish, how are you feeling today? I feel great. Uh, I think we left our previous podcast where 
I said that Florida State fumbled on the goal line. And that was exactly we, where we ended it. Yes, we did. That's basically where we ended it. Uh, and then um, as soon as we got back basically to the Twitter timeline, both of us, I mean, we had some other tweeters out there, uh, chaos ensued, and which I, I don't know if we're like cursed or blessed to have this gift. When we watch a game, some sicko stuff tends to happen. And, oh, boy, did it happen. And it was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I, I watched it. I was watching it live. I streamed, so I was on a bit of a delay. But, in fact, Jordan and I were talking about it while it was going on. And we were having this conversation of, oh, he muffed the punt. And this led to an interesting conversation. Mrs. Mayhem was asking me, what, what does that mean? I was like, well, he tried to catch a punt. They can't advance it. They're now inside the five. I'm like, I, this is more or less kind of it for the game. And then she said, well, what's going to happen if like something happens to Florida State? I'm like, well, we'll keep playing, I guess. And then sure enough, right as she said it, she she knows what a fumble is. And she was like, oh, my gosh, fumble. I'm like, and, and again, like you said, chaos ensues. Yeah, it was I was so sure I, I said it on the podcast. I said this is over like I was sure that this was done. And then that fumble happened. LSU just had to do that the most heartbreaking way possible. It was it wasn't just a blocked kick. It was he blocked it with mighty fist of God. It looked like came in and just absolutely grabbed a piece of it. It hit the crossbar afterwards. So he he almost made it. And oh, then watching God. it hit the crossbar was just the piece de resistance. Excuse my French. <laughs> of uh, Just perfect. perfect. You know, everything from a missed call, which clearly was the wrong call, which gave LSU an extra timeout, which set them up on the two, which then gave them the touchdown, a raucous celebration from the uh, Tiger faithful. And then almost immediately, the, the just like you popped a balloon. This is why we watch it. This is probably the best way to end the Sunday night game with uh, the street fan watching. And they think, this is what college football is every week. I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Check it out with us. I'm glad everyone watched that game. And I hope that no one watched the Monday night game because Lord knows we watched Georgia Tech and Clemson and Jeff Collins doing whatever he did. I'm not sure what he was choosing to do. His timeout management was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, I'd like to award Jeff Collins with our inaugural clock commander of the week. Agreed. (laughs) Going to the coach uh, that completely mismanaged the clock. At the end of the first half, it was about 43 seconds remaining. He has all three timeouts, and Clemson is set up to punt probably about midfield, maybe on like their own 43, 45, I think. And he chooses not to take a timeout after a crazy lengthy review for some odd reason. I think I believe it was a penalty call, and basically doesn't put anybody back to return. And the punt just drains the clock, and they go on to halftime. Then in the second half, he. He used all of his timeouts, like, immediately. I didn't know if he thought the timeouts were, like, you know, rollover timeouts. Like, if you don't use them in the first half, you get the rollover minutes. I I do want to stump for that, Kamish, because one of the things that, and again, I was pretty vocal about this. I, I, you know, as someone who, you know, always tries to have faith and want to see things and was super excited about Georgia State, and Sims played a great first half. I I was so super impressed by by Sims' play coming back. Absolutely, yeah. But when he, when the referee came back from that long uh, replay and was hey we're, we're taking a look at something here maybe a penalty maybe not he says Georgia Tech has elected to to let the clock run I had never seen that I I'd never seen a referee explain well this isn't on us we're it's not go on the whistle Georgia Tech has the opportunity to accept the penalty and the stoppage of time but they've elected to allow the clock to have not a runoff but to run and then doesn't put anybody back there to accept the punt which was just Mind blowing to me. Um, they were within this game. They were. It was. It was still fourteen three. Yeah, it was well. It was well within the within reach at that point. Yeah. 
and he just allows this to happen. Absolutely mismanagement. This this is not how we're supposed to play this game. At a minimum, you need to allow your players the opportunity to respond, maybe get some points, and and not go down two scores into the half. And like you said, burning three times out in the third. And then he says, well, we didn't want them to go up another score. You know, it was the Monday night game. It was the only thing on. And Georgia Tech looked almost competent for a little bit, but Jeff Collins shot themselves, shot the team in the foot, I thought. You know, beyond everything else, beyond the fact that, okay, like Clemson clearly had better players on the field. Like that's just, that's it. Sure. DJ Ungalalele looked a little shaky going forward. And when they brought in the backup, I thought he looked better, but who knows how that's going to shake out. And that's why he won Clock Commander of the Week. Salute, Clock Commander. Salute Salute to our first Clock Commander, Jeff Collins. Are you guys going to have one forged? Just a giant clock and send it to him. We should. After we after should. I saw the um after I saw the the bagel trophy today or the donut trophy between those D three schools in Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, quick trip. It, it's a it's it's a quick trip donut trophy. It's beautiful. It's between like two D three Wisconsin schools. It's amazing. Listen, I know there's a lot that much is made about trophy games and how all oh, these are ridiculous. And I think a trophy playing for something, a Agreed. physical representation of our win over this other team. I, I think it's great. We have some games coming up this weekend. Uh, we're going to take these sort of in no particular order, just sort of as they interest us, and we'll go from there. I'll start with one that I don't. Uh, is this a Saturday, a Friday game? I got to make sure it's not. No, it's a Saturday. Okay. So on, on Saturday, we have Duke and Northwestern. Northwestern was smart and took the week off after Ireland, unlike Nebraska, who decided to take on a Dakota at home and almost didn't come away from that. Duke this last week absolutely destroyed Temple. The first time they blanked a. Uh, a uh, a non-FCS opponent in a decade or two, something like that. They look significantly better. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has the uh, crystal helmet, so we don't know what he what powers he's imbued with after you know earning that Irish crystal helmet. So I, I kind of hope he coaches with that crystal helmet on. In the I sideline. really hope so. I really hope so. He would. Or look- maybe like, can they put like a display case like next to him on the sidelines? I don't, I don't know. I just want to yes. see that helmet. We established that he likes trophies. He likes shiny things and he likes trophies. And so I don't know if this game has a trophy. He may have made one up for it because that would probably give him the power that he needed to get past this. Maybe a Uh, a crystal devil cat. Ooh. Uh, (laughs) This game game being played, Jordan. This is in Evanston, I believe. Let me double check on that. That's why it's at 11 because they're the only stadium without any fixed lighting system in all of college football. That is right. They're the last one standing. They it's something about Evan, like the city of Evanston does not want them to get lights. And so like they had to put it off. They bring in these like huge floodlights as um, whenever they need them. But yeah, no, they kick off at like 11 for that very reason. This game should be interesting. I'm excited to see if Duke absolutely just takes it to Northwestern. It should be two evenly matched teams, I think. And Northwestern had a week off to prepare. Definitely, you know, shrugged off the Irish jet lag. So it should be an interesting one to watch. It'll probably be one of our top uh, sickos games of the week, and, and they're both 1-0. So let's see which one can go 2-0. That's a scary thought that one of those teams is going to be 2-0. I it's, hadn't thought about that. It's a beautiful thought. I don't know what you're talking beautiful. about. I, I'm beautiful. not so sure about shaking off that Irish trip. I mean, this is the same team that current head coach Pat Fitzgerald said, we're all going to take naps today because you're all complaining about being tired when we start slow. So I, 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 I hope... I hope it's a great game. I'm just very curious because, you know, like you said, this this is a this is a Duke team refreshed. I did not think they were going to take it to Temple like that. It shocked me. I didn't watch it. 
I just saw the 30 to nothing score. I talked with a couple of friends of mine that I, that I know offline. I mentioned it once in the, in our, in the server, but I'm just curious, what are we getting out of this Duke team here? If they are putting it on people like this, I mean, we might be looking at that. like the team that went to the, uh, I believe it was the sugar bowl and played with, was it the sugar bowl to play Texas A&M? That was the peach. The cotton bowl. Excuse me. It was the peach. I'd have to look it up. You have to forgive me, Duke fans. Don't be mad at the sickos. Um, it was it was the Peach Bowl. Oh, it was. It was. Yeah, it was yes. the Peach Bowl. It was, it was the Chick Fil A Bowl, whatever it was called back then. The Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, I think. So, David Cl- David Cut Cl- Cut David Cutcliffe versus Kevin Sumlin. Oh man, oh, what name are they? I don't think either uh, one of them is coaching those teams anymore. If my nope. Uh, nope. And Johnny and Johnny Menzel is their quarterback. Scored fifty two points. Yeah, I do remember that. And and I, if that if that Duke is coming back, that Duke team won eleven games, I think, ten or eleven games. Ten, one ten, yeah. They won ten games. If if we're looking at a ten win Duke, we're looking at some real upheaval in the ACC. I, I just don't want to get carried away because Temple may just be really bad. It'd be that bad. Yeah, we'll find that's out. Also- they play Rutgers coming up. <laughs> oh, 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 Temple and Rutgers. I cannot wait for that one. Wake Forest Vandy all of a sudden got a lot more interesting since the time I posted this on here because Sam Hartman's back. Yeah, that 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 was something that was crazy. We're glad that Sam is back. It was a it was a non-football issue. We're, we're happy that he's back. I believe the line Wake Forest was maybe favored by seven or six, and the line has jumped to nearly fourteen in Wake <laughs> Forest's honor since they found out Sam is back. Vandy's two and zero. They beat Hawaii and they beat Elon. They struggled a little bit with Elon. It was it was kind of a, a back and forth FCS fun game, but a lot of points. So I don't know. Vandy may have an offensive juggernaut a little bit there, and oh, I know the quarterback. It's a curse statement. <laughs> Hey, we, we researched Vandy this year over in the offseason, and we, we, we remembered the 1950 Vandy team. 1915 Vandy yeah, team. Not that, 50, 15. 15, not 5-0, 1-5. Uh, that they scored, I think, were they like a point? They nicknamed them the point-a-minute team, so maybe, maybe that's back in, in 2022. I have a question about this because this is uh, a pair of black and gold teams that seem to play with some kind of frequency – but they don't consider it a part of the ACC SEC rivalry where we've got, you know, Florida, Florida State, and we've got Kentucky, Louisville. Do they consider when Wake Forest plays Vanderbilt as a in that rivalry area? Because they play with some regularity. They do. And they've been around the same tier most of the time, the past, you know, since Wake Forest won the ACC in 2006. I mean, what do we. What's going on with this 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 series of games, and and what are we to expect with the claw fence coming into town? I expect I'm points. So, I yeah, I expect points. I expect points on both sides. Um, I think this is gonna this is gonna be a high scoring game, which is a weird thing to say for a Vanderbilt team. But the vaunted Vandy offense. I know. Again, curse statement. I just can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't help myself. Yeah, and it's interesting because you're right. They've played quite a bit. I mean, it, the states touch each other, so I mean, it could be like a rivalry. I mean, I, I don't I actually, know. I actually just forgot for a moment what state uh, Wake Forest is in. <laughs> that would be North Carolina. Yeah. Winston Salem, Winston Salem, North right. Carolina. Right. Uh, they're both private schools. They're both black and gold. That's right. Uh, you know, there's a Demon Deacon and there's a Commodore, so we can call it the the Demon Door. <laughs> they they play they played almost every year between twenty between two thousand seven and twenty thirteen. Like you're yeah, right, this was a thing. I didn't realize it was that often. Yeah, and they Vandy quite a bit. And Vandy won the last three. 
So this well. is a this is a Wake Forest revenge match now officially. So Wake Forest with the points. I'm going all in on them. So we got the Devil Cat between Duke and Northwestern. We just created that trophy, and now we have the Demon Door between mm-hmm. Wake Forest and Vandy. All right, we're, we're coining phrases I like now. this. The next game I have on here is a game that may not be as close. Alabama and Texas. This looks like a marquee matchup. Game day is going here. I'm looking at our good friend Parker at Stats of War on Twitter, his uh, his probabilities, and he has Alabama's wing probability about 95.7%. The spread is Texas plus 21. That feels low. I feel like this game is going to get out of hand real fast. You know, honestly, I, I was hoping that after Texas beat ULM last week, that the AP would rank Texas. So I the was, I, did too. the I was really hoping that the, the streak that that ULM has over Alabama would not be in jeopardy, uh, because Alabama's last unranked opponent that is not in their conference they lost to was ULM back in 2007, and I, I just don't want that stat to ever go away. So please win Alabama, which I think they will. Uh, I'm not sure what Texas will have for them. I, I'm sure we'll see the animated Bevo on the screen that we witnessed last week, uh, ripping the horns through the Alabama logo if they ever get a third down. Let's say that, but, that, that would require a third down. And I'm not sure that Alabama is going to see a ton of those. Uh, they may score. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I know. I mean, Saban got the, the two for one red light watch films of both teams special between Texas and ULM last week. So uh, I think they'll be ready. And I, I'm not sure. But when when Alabama loses a national title game, they normally do that crazy revenge tour the next year. And, and they're they're angry. So I think they'll be ready. And um, let's hope Texas is. Now I'm gonna I'm really gonna claim we broke news. If Britney Spears ends up being the guest picker, we broke the news. Like we're gonna claim it. Okay, so you must credit the Sickos committee if Britney Spears is the guest picker on College Game Day, which it's weird to me. She's from Kentwood, Louisiana. The high school mascot is the Kangaroos. I don't know why I know this. How do you know that? I'm from Louisiana. All right, okay. you just know weird stuff like that. All right, are there, kangaroos, to- <laughs> are, are, there are there Bayou kangaroos I don't know about? I don't know. Exactly. Maybe in Kentwood, there's some Bayou kangaroos that that can swim and kick alligators in the face. I don't know, but they're the Kentwood kangaroos. They've won a few state championships, but they're like the lowest class high school that you could possibly be since it's such don't, a small don't town. Don't diminish. Don't diminish their championships. No, they're awesome. They're great. I mean, they were like, a, I think they won like four or five in a row. Like, and they would play all the uh, the state title games in the Superdome. And the whole town would come. The entire town. Like, there would be nobody left in the town that would come all the way from Kentwood, which is a, a fantastic water source in the state of Louisiana. And just fill the Super, Superdome as much as possible. I don't even know how many people live in Kentwood, but they would just do it and, and just party it up in, in New Orleans when they would win their state titles. It's great. Uh, I have a question about this game. Yeah. <clears throat> because one of the things that, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom over this game from one side over the other. and There's just this constant nagging feeling that they're going to get bowled over. I, I, There is a world here where Texas puts up a solid fight for several quarters. And I'm I'm talking a quarter or two. Yeah, I believe that a quarter or two. I think that into the third, they could be keeping it close. I'm not I don't know that Alabama is going to run away with this in the sense. And and my logic behind this is, you know, we have a former Saban assistant, which does matter. You know, they talk about that big streak, but a lot of those games were much closer than they'll make them out to be. Right. 
most of those games were ending in one score, with the exception being the SEC championship in 2021. Um, Sarkeesian is a solid offensive mind. If Quinn Ewers doesn't act like a freshman quarterback, he's not actually a freshman. He's a, whatever. He's a sophomore or he's a redshirt freshman, whatever. First, first, first year starter. First year starter. If if he doesn't act like a first year starter, there's a chance. But I'm gonna put it this way. If the mustard man Bijan Robinson can get going and yeah. they can establish that run and set up the play action for Quinn, maybe. And I can see this one being relatively close in the third quarter at some point, maybe like a 10 point, 14 point game, maybe three points. And then Alabama just puts it in that final gear that Texas doesn't have. I can see that. When uh, when when Brittany puts on the Longhorn head, That's just right. no, you got to credit us for that. Just a couple of things on these next games. Wazoo's going to Wisconsin. I'm not sure enough alcohol is left in the state. I don't know how much brandy they're going to go through. I know that whatever the, like, like what was the number? Like 35% of all brandy in the world goes to Wisconsin. And I'm pretty sure they're going to go through all that. This is going to be a great game in the stands because the Wazoo fans are going to be jumping around too. Unlike Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman, which. They were uh, jumping around. Just, yeah, this game is just going to be a drunken mess. It should be a lot of fun. Wisconsin should probably win this by about 14 to 21. Wazoo looked really bad against Idaho, which is never something you want to say. Wisconsin looked good against, I forget who they played. Graham Mertz did his Graham Mertz thing. It should just be a fun drunk game. So I kind of want to, I've thought about this a lot, uh, reading Mm -hmm. You know, the show notes and knowing this game is on the schedule. And I want to ask a question here because we've seen similar fan bases that can responsibly consume their their alcohol play a game in Wisconsin with uh, Louisiana State University and the Tigers going up to Camp Randall. And these two found fan bases who are some could say similar, some could maybe not say similar. I know they both enjoy sausages of all types. Oh yeah, and 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 libations, and they they enjoy beverages. So I I think we've seen this before. I think the good people of Wisconsin will find a way to accommodate Wazoo and and all of those traveling to this game from Pullman uh, uh, over to to Camp Randall. That being said, about Idaho and 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 Wazoo, that is a rivalry game. That and is a rivalry. Have to always play your rivals tough. The Palouse. The loser has to then walk back home the eight miles along the border up there in the Palouse <laughs> between Washington State and Idaho. So I think it was, you know, you say they struggled. I say they played their 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 rivals. rivals. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's, that's what I say. I buy that. I don't know that. I I I wonder if they've brought in emergency supplies of Fireball, Wisconsin. No one's ever said that before. No one has ever <laughs> uttered that phrase before. <laughs> I saw at some point they started selling uh, like like wine bags of Fireball, like 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 you would get like Franzia in. How so do you class- even consume that? Like, do you drink it straight from the bag? Do they give you a I, cup I, too? Or what are we talking about? Okay, if you have a plastic bag full of Fireball, are you getting a cup out? I don't think so. I have so. no idea. No, if, I it's, if it's it's Franzia, this is something that we would do at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Like people would walk with a box of Franzia on their shoulder, and you would basically stop, and they would just. Open the Franz in, and you would just drink out yeah. of the the wine, and and just you know keep walking around the the parade route. So I, I'm sure uh, Wazoo folks have, have have done this before. Also, there's a there's a fantastic cheese connection between both of these because Wazoo. Oh, that's right, there is dairy. They have a creamery. It's Cougar Gold. It sounds like an old Steely Dan song. It really uh, does. <laughs> the, the, the Cougar Gold. I hear the electric guitar going yeah. and everything that's as you say it. <laughs> but just yes, the cougar gold, uh, the the fine 
Wisconsin cheese. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely Wisconsin cheese and the Cougar Gold cheese, there is a cheese connection. So I don't know if these guys, have, uh, these teams have played each other before. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, I just want to watch it because I feel like the crowd shots in this game is going to make up for whatever's on the field. Next is probably going to be our Sicko's Game of the Week. Iowa, Iowa State, as our good friends the full cast have called it, El Asico. Always a rivalry game early in the year. Always a really stupid game. And after Iowa's beautiful performance art this past <laughs> week, <laughs> I think Iowa State can win this, but that's what they want me to think. Because when I think Iowa State's going to win this, it means they will absolutely just fold and die. This is at Iowa, by the way. This is the, like, Iowa State, you know, probably should win this one, I guess. I don't I don't, I don't know. But they just seem like they, they can't beat Iowa. And they they trip over themselves in the most spectacular way in this game for some odd reason. They always do that. Uh, this is the 69th meeting between both teams. Nice. So, so that's that's very nice, of course. Uh, and somebody said that the score should be six to nine. I suggested that both teams scored three safeties each, and then somebody hits a field goal in overtime uh, to win the game six to nine. Uh, so hopefully that may work out. This will probably be our sickos game of the week. I, honestly, I think we may have another candidate for that. And we may we may poll the audience, uh, poll the followers for this one between another one that we're going to discuss a little bit later because we have no idea what to expect in that. And then this one, um, it is the, the shutdown forecast special, the El Asico. They want us to call it El Asico. But, you know, like again, yeah, you know, we just throw a K in there and we can make it our own. This is a fun question for you guys. Has Matt Campbell ever beat Iowa at Iowa State? Matt Campbell has not. I know he that. Is, because is not ever beat Iowa. We've talked right. so much about how great Matt Campbell is and how Iowa State has locked him down. But this has been the one that's eluded him. Yeah, his first year, they lost 42-3 to to Iowa. They let Iowa score 42 points. I believe you know that was a that good is? Iowa year, though. I believe his first oh, year that's was... Right. That's right. That was that was that was the quote unquote one of the quote unquote good Iowa years. That's yes, right. That was happened to be coinciding with a good Iowa year. These like like if I just look through these numbers of this of the Iowa Iowa State game, I see fives, I see threes, and I'm not like looking back at you know the you know I'm not looking back at you know the pre World War One days. I'm looking at things in like the two thousands. Uh, Iowa won in twenty thousand in two thousand eight. Iowa won seventeen to five. Okay, that was a score. 17 to 5. There's a reason this there's a reason this game is played so early in the season because it, one is incredibly entertaining and two it just gets it out of our system. I find it fascinating because if you think back to the old SB Nation days, one side of this rivalry is super gung-ho about it, loves the nickname that was given to it, really wants to play it and really wants to make the other team suffer through it with them. And the other team is like this is a deeply personal matter between between family that only nobody else needs to watch this. And I, I really do enjoy that dichotomy you see between all the universities within yeah. states. And I really do think, I know we talk about they've never got over it. Well, they haven't, Iowa state hasn't won it under Campbell, but has won it in the past. Yes. Iowa state has, you know, Iowa state has put a hurting on Iowa and it hurts more because Iowa doesn't really like that when that happens to them. So I, I think we've got a real opportunity here for Iowa State to get the monkey off their back. And I really think they, it would be really nice to do it in Iowa. And 
they'll be doing it hopefully in the ketchup and mustards. So oh, that would be good. Yeah, they'll yeah, look real don't sharp. Don't wear those doing black it. jerseys. Don't don't do yeah. it, Iowa, Iowa State. Don't do it. Don't wear the black jerseys. Wear wear your maroon and gold. Go for that. Embrace that. Don't don't wear the crazy black alternate jerseys. Don't do it. I, I like when you you wear the cyclone. So do I. That that's yeah, the magic. Same. That's the magic of Ames. Well, that's clean water. And they're delicious tap water. Yeah, of course. Delicious tap water and and magical mustard and ketchup uniform. I may have to, if Iowa State wins this game, I am going to order one of those Ames is the best water shirts off of okay. Amazon. I'll there do we that. Go. So Iowa State, you win this game, I, I'm going to buy an Ames is the best water shirt. It's an, it's an angry glass of water and we'll probably post that later. Next game up is Syracuse. You're going to UConn for one of my favorite Northeastern games. First off, I'm going to say that I love it when Northeastern teams play each other. Like, I really believe that this is a game that should happen all the time. I believe Syracuse and Boston College should be playing UMass and UConn. And like those teams need to play each other more often. This is our Paul Pasqualoni Bowl. <laughs> and- I, I mean, I mean, we're going to make a graphic. I, I told Jordan, the VP yeah. of graphic designs, that we need we need like a, a, a GIF or GIF or whatever. I don't even know how to say it. Whatever. Uh, whatever, need... way is the, whatever way is going to piss more people off, I'm going to leave that edit in. Just okay, so, so whatever, like a GIF, 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 GIF. Did I say either way right? I have it's no fine. idea. Sure. But whatever. We're going to have that, and it's just going to be like Paul Pasqualoni's face going across the screen back and forth. And and Paul Pasqualoni has the same expression in every single photo, and he looks very confused that he's taking a picture at, at this time. I love every single picture of this man, and I can't wait for this Paul Pasqualoni Bowl. We got a lot of UConn supporters in, in our Twitter, <laughs> and a lot of Syracuse supporters. <laughs> I don't know why we have UConn supporters anymore. Hey, I mean, honestly, no. It, like, the sickos thing is, like, we pay attention to them, and they actually realize that, you know, it's out of there's love. a lot of... There's a lot of there's a lot of fan bases, including myself. I root for ULM. Like we we really don't have a shot to win the national title, and we pray for six and six in a mid tier bowl game. God bless you, Independence Bowl. But uh, you know, for taking ULM that one year, we really appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. Like there is a ton of UConn fans. Like, yeah, there they is. Will, that is true. They they will support the team. They will support the school, and that's what we love. Like no matter what, that that undying you know, diehard support of your team, no matter how bad or good they are. Uh, I mean, you can't, you know, control the decisions that the athletic director made to, you know, leave conferences or anything. But we love that. And that's why we love UConn. We love Syracuse, too. Because, I mean, they're both Northeastern schools. They're not supposed to be good, I guess, blue bloods or whatever, even though Syracuse had the, the illustrious past of, you know, I believe Jim Brown and uh, that was Ernie a- Davis. Oh, my uh, God. I wish I wish we'd had some like, trophy winner. I mean, yes. I really wish that I could see Jim Brown wreck people in lacrosse. I would just I would pay for film like whoever you know. I, I believe they like changed the rules because Jim Brown was just wrecking people in lacrosse. But I would love that. So I love Syracuse and UConn. It's it's fantastic, and I'm really just happy that this one's on an actual channel and not like the Fox 61 local affiliate app with the weird scoreboard. This is on CBS CBS Sports Network, which is a real channel. You know, I grew up in the Northeast. I actually grew up in Piscataway, New Jersey, and so I, I have been to Rutgers games when they were not very good, and we're talking the bottom of that valley. And so I have observed watching Rutgers play UConn, watching Rutgers play Syracuse, following them when I got into when I went into college as an undergrad. And so one of the things for me, and and this is to your point, Jordan, about when they talk about college football, they purposefully seem to exclude the entire Northeast half of the 
of the equation. And that bothers me a great deal because a lot of good football comes out of that part of the country. A lot of great players come out of that part of the country. And it's 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 important to me to see these teams play each other. I hope, you know, I've been asking all week, look, everyone's saying Louisville, you know, uh, uh, Satterfield's in trouble. He, you can't lose to Syracuse. And Syracuse had a 10-win season under this current coach, under this current. Right, like very recently. Very recently, they have beaten Clemson. This is Dino Babers is a good coach. If yeah. nothing else, he is a good offensive mind. And I do think there is something to be said about these Northeastern teams that play well, play hard. You know, they 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 play in unorthodox places, so they play the game in unorthodox ways. And and I hope this is it's going to be on CBS. I hope a lot of people tune in. I you know I want the UConn faithful to enjoy it. I want the Orange to enjoy it. You know, let's relive the Big East glory days. Maybe we'll find out later in the year if the backyard brawl has implications for the Big East. Going on from there, a game that I literally have no clue about. Mississippi State's going to Tucson to play Arizona. Someone in the year of our Lord, 2022, voted for Arizona in the AP poll. Nothing makes sense anymore. I have no clue what's going on. This game. It was was a Nebraska writer. That was the crazy thing, right? Like, I I expected it to be some some (laughs) random, you know, Pac-12 homer. Nope, it was a Nebraska writer. So I don't know what this game is going to look like. I don't know that anyone knows what this game is going to look like. I assume Mike Leach is going to throw for 400 yards. Or try to. Or try to. Arizona looked okay against san diego state but that's much better than we could say for them last year (laughs) yeah like like it's all it's all progress so yeah i don't know about this game i i just know that it's the last game of the night it's in tucson it starts at 11 p.m eastern standard time 10 p.m central time and and this is another one that i think is a possible candidate for sickos game of the week you have no idea what to expect between these two teams mississippi state likely will be favored uh, arizona actually upset san diego state last year i think i think san diego state was favored when they opened their new stadium and then you have mike leach returning to the pac-12 has oh, this is this is the first time these two teams have played uh, yeah, okay. I was about to say these are the, this is the first time that Mississippi State has played Arizona. It, it's going to be something that's that's I, I just don't know what's going to happen, and the unknown intrigues me a ton. I have this game on here because it was suggested that if we ever had a sickos game day, this would be the location we would have to be at. FIU is traveling to Texas State. Texas Why? State, according to Parker at Stats of War, has an eighty-one percent chance of winning this. Texas State is bad. FIU is that much worse. I, I once he tweeted that at us. I, I I don't live too far away from San Marcos. I I want to go. There you go. See, <laughs> I, I want to go. I don't know if I'll be able to. I think I have some uh, obligations otherwise. Uh, but I don't. I don't think I'll be able to attend this one. I, I will be probably going to an FIU and uh, game in a couple of weeks though, uh, out out west. But out in Las out in Las Cruces because you're Las a sadist. It's beautiful. I want to go to Las Cruces at FIU. I want to do it. So I, I want to drive, you know, nine hours for a, a game in, in Las, Las Cruces. So I'm going to do that to myself. FIU barely survived against an FCS team last week. So they're 1-0. It's, it's not very good. Bryant's not a great FCS team. And they they won an OT on a two-point conversion. Texas State got pretty much handled by Nevada, which is the shell of Nevada last year. Or Nevada, Nevada. I'm doing it like Jeff and Jeff, Nevada, Ooh, Nevada, yeah. whatever. I'll just do both. I mean, so, I'll, when you say this one, it's two words. Wolf Pack. Unlike wolf, you know, North wolf Carolina pack. State, which is Wolf Pack. Wolf, wolf Pack. Yeah, Wolf Pack. Wolf, 
<laughs> okay. Okay. That sounded Canadian, but all right. But no, I am Texas State is is you know I have a lot of friends where I live here that went to Texas State. Texas State is the the party school, and the the atmosphere of the game day is great. Uh, it may not always transfer into the stands. I'm really curious. Do we know where this game is taking place? Like like what network is it? ESPN three or? Oh no, I think it's I think it's on a plus. This is ESPN plus. Okay, so we may get like the local Homer Texas State call with some really really bad camera, camera angles. angles? Yeah. I'm excited Ooh. for I'm excited for that. I'm like excited to see what kind of cameras camera. they're going to get. That's it. I'm curious because going back to your your point earlier Jordan about how don't know how these things happen with Texas State. Spavital was coaching for his job toward the latter part of of, right. of last season and I'm Still skeptical at his game plan or his recruiting plan. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that you can win bringing in nothing but transfers of very few high school students. That that doesn't bode well for the life of your of your program. At least it has not to this point for anyone long term. Right. As it's only been a year since we started doing transfers without sitting out a year. But that being said, Florida International University is just a crater. I, I, I'm skeptical again of this idea that you're in a place. There's no excuse. You should just be able to get leftovers. I, mean, I, I, I always try to make this point to people. Football is a game. It's the ultimate team sport, and it requires a team effort. And no individual player can win if he stood out there by himself. And so right. it doesn't matter how many good players are in your area that you could possibly recruit. If you're not putting together a program that is sustainable and, and built to win and last, for to first beat your local rivals and then beat your conference and then beat those of your level and then win your division, uh, FBS or FCS division. I, I'm not convinced that FIU has done any of those things. I don't think so either. I, I think, so, I mean, I think that this is, this is a good like measurement game for them. Because I think absolutely. this is a game that they absolutely should be able to win. New Mexico State is a game that they should be able to win. If should. If, if should. And that will sort of tell us where Mike McIntyre is with that program. Because all of a sudden, people people don't think that there's like titration, like like there's levels in this bottom stuff that we watch. But there really is. Like there the gap is. the gap between like the bottom like 10 and the next 10 up is huge. And I think it's the gap is bigger the, than you might think. The gap is, is it's almost exponential between the bottom 10 and then the next to bottom 10. It's, right. it's, it's about as big as the gap between the top seven and the next 10. Next one I just want to cover shortly. Kent State's going to Oklahoma. The Kent State Ride to Hell tour continues. Kent State gets to practice at a school, the Miami ripoff logo. I love all sorts of random ripoff logos. That's always me. So yeah, Every you, time you, you see that. Every time yeah. you see that on the Twitter, that's Jordan talking about random logos that are different color. And just really wants to get the followers all worked up. Like, oh, I can't yeah. see this weird, you, different colors. And, and that's I, all I just, Jordan right there. I just love <laughs> things like that. Um, Kent State put up an okay fight against Washington last week. That's right. They did. Right. I watched that game. I was impressed by Who knew sides. that former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix was going to actually just, I don't know, maybe the Seattle is good to him. He drank the coffee. He's enjoying the weather. Things are better. He's picked up yoga. He's done all those like northeast, northwestern things. And he 
just decided that he's going to be a great quarterback. At least against Are you Pennsylvania. announcing that Michael Penix is taking up logging? That would be great. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's going to start. What, what do they do? They throw the fish at the market. He's been throwing fish at the market. Yeah, the, right. yeah, that's right. Why not? That, that, that gets you prepared for the option pitch, right? That's absolutely right. Perfect. That's right. You know, definitely need that. Just want to stump your kids' state's uniforms in that game. Oh, yeah. Fantastic unis at all time. This was the game that Petros Papadakis got the call. I, I don't know why they put him on Kent State uh, at Washington last week. That was weird, but shout out to Petros. We love you. Uh, we, we we love any game you call. It's it's almost an automatic like ranking for us. Wherever you're going, we're following you. We love you. I'm super excited about this next one. Battle of I-10, New Mexico State going to UTEP. This is the 99th meeting of this game. We talked about this before. I think next year we got to go to Las Cruces for the 100th meeting. Definitely. That should be an absolute, just an absolute fun game. This game has happened so many times. This game is a great rivalry game. UTEP should win this, but this is actually one of those rivalries where things get kind of weird. These schools are only 30, 40 miles apart. They're real close. And compared to everything else out in that part of the country, there's nothing else nearby. There's nothing else near them. And those two towns, those two schools just do not like each other. And it's the only, you know, rivalry, as I said previously, that has two different trophies. They have a brass spittoon, and then I believe it's a silver shovel. So if you win this game, you get two for the price of one rivalry trophy. I think that's great. I, I, I listened to you guys last week talk about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for these games where the schools are rivals because of proximity and general, you know, general location amongst each other and along the hierarchy of the sport. But, you know, I, I think it's always good to zoom in on games of this nature where you've got two teams that most of the time most people are not watching, but it's like, we care. We love this. We want to, we want to win the game. We want to beat these guys. Oh yeah. And we want to get two trophies for our trouble for it. So I love it. I'm here for it. And I, I'm, I'm going to be watching it this weekend. The next one we have is just another one I want to cover briefly. Uh, ODU and East is going to East Carolina. These are two teams that had one. Well, Old Dominion, Old Dominion won their game. East Carolina had a great game against North Carolina state. Spoilers versus the almost spoilers. Just wondering if East Carolina has a janky elevator. We'll see if uh, anyone gets caught in an elevator this time. No, uh, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see points. Make it a track meet. The other ones that we've sort, we're sort of listing before we get to some uh, special games we're going to cover. Eastern Michigan is going to Louisiana Lafayette on the NFL Network. Sure. sure That's I a mean, thing. I think it's the first game, the college football game that's going to be played on the NFL Network, I believe. Maybe besides like the Senior Bowl or something like that. Uh, don't fact check me because I, I don't know that's for sure. Fine. But it's going to be on NFL Network. I think next week, too, there's going to be another one on NFL Network. So I, I'm a big fan of these like Mac against Sunbelt teams. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm like, just play those games. There's a few uh, last week and there's a few this week. Like, Make let's big get deals out more. of it. Let's get some more Maction versus Fun Belt. I, I love that. Uh, next one. Marshall is going to Notre Dame. First meeting ever. I feel like this is the Peacock game. Oh, is this, this the is the game? game that's on Peacock. Like like last year, Notre Dame had played Toledo on Peacock and the, the streaming app. And it's, it's probably going to be after like some weird soccer match. Maybe like Newcastle United uh, <laughs> against, I, I I don't know. Here, Brighton quick name. Quick, like that. quick name a second. Name a second English Premier League team. Go. Quick. Brighton. Name one. There we go. There we go. There we go. Brighton Hove and Albion. 
All right. Oh, oh. We, you got it. Oh, Fancy. yeah. I went with all three names. That's right. The Seagulls. But uh, in this situation, I just don't know what to expect. And Marshall's always feisty. So Marshall has a great, like, tradition. And I'm just curious if they can hang with Notre Dame a little bit to make the Irish fans sweat a little bit in the first half. And, and then maybe in the second half, Notre Dame pulls away. But this is the first time they've ever played. And it, it's a weird game because Notre Dame doesn't necessarily schedule like like Sun Belt teams, Conference USA teams. They, they'll play. Oh, yeah, that's right. Technically, technically, they are a Sun Belt team now. That is correct. They, they are welcome to the Sun Belt Thundering Herd. We love you. Uh, I, I want to see it happen. I mean, look, I I am of the mind that teams should play, and that you should invite people who you've never played before to your your stadium and play. Yeah. Um, I you know. We always talk about teams that try to avoid that and would have rather scheduled, you know, an FCS team or a D2 school. But Notre Dame said we're going to play someone on the FBS level and they're going to come to our stadium and it's going to be a good time. So I, I say kudos to Notre Dame for scheduling tough and we'll see what happens. This is 130 on like big NBC, by the way. Oh, big like NBC. So they they're, got putting the... this, they're putting this on the big NBC. Yeah, they got the fancy oh. NBC on. Ooh, they're they're going to have it. They're going to have it. Have a 4K option. Uh, the last one we want to cover before we get to some special games is Mitsu at Colorado State, just because Mitsu got blown out by JMU. Colorado State got blown out by um, Michigan, and this game is going to happen. It's in Colorado. I feel like Colorado has a slight advantage here, but I, well, again, another game that I just don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know. Like, like <laughs> Middle Tennessee got crushed by JMU, uh, like, like 44-7? Yeah, Over I watched that game. That God, and that was came out hot and did not cool off. JMU, that was their first game in FBS, and they just right. just blew the doors off of the Bahamas Bowl champion, Middle Tennessee, and right. and they just, I mean, they just they took them to the woodshed. Now Colorado State, they kind of hung around for a little bit, you know. Michigan's playing around with, hey, I don't do I want well, this quarterback to finish come out this I, 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 Maybe, I'm maybe not this sure quarterback, that. or yeah. you, maybe I could start this quarterback, and then King, the Sol- next King Solomon Harbaugh, another, the King Sol- King Harbaugh. <laughs> just cut the, quarterback the, cut the quarterbacks in half. Perfect. We're going to keep making that reference all year long. Thank you, Jim Harbaugh, for that. I'm just curious. Like, both got, like, absolutely manhandled by both of the teams they played for. And they're both on one. And I don't know what to expect. But I, I love Colorado State. I'm biased. I went on vacation to Fort Collins. I wow. love that city. That city's amazing. Not, you know, the craft beer is fantastic. It's, I mean, the city, I, it, it's one of those vacations where you do that thing. You're like, I'm on vacation. It's like, man, I wonder what it would take to move here. Right, yeah. Basically, Fort Collins did that to me. It's like 8.30 and there's really nothing else on or everything else is at halftime. Let's turn Let's turn it to Fort Collins and check out what's going there. Yeah, those mid-evening Mountain West games are a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Norvell's got. I, I hope they give him the time, the resources, and and the leeway to to build this program and i hope that they're successful there at, yeah in, out of Colorado. the out, out of the out of the adazio crater which, yes right. so he's, he's yeah. got a real climb ahead of him and i, I just oh, hope man. that they give him that time to do it so blue walk us through these next four games because you know way more about these than we do we definitely want to hear from it yeah so first and foremost thank you guys for having me I, i'm very grateful to be here um it's really an honor and a privilege to talk to two of my favorite people that i talk to all the time on the Uh, Moon Crew Discord, uh, gentle, subtle plug there for anyone who's interested and wants to come hang out with us. But the first game that I've got on here is South Carolina State is heading to play Bethune-Cookman 
Um, these are former MIAC foes. They were both in the MIAC for quite a while. They played each other all the time. Uh, Bethune-Cookman has since left the MIAC and gone into the SWAC. But these teams have stick, stuck around to kind of continue playing each other. They have a, a, a smaller rivalry where they get together every every year and their bands compete against one another, what we call a battle of the bands in the HBCU sphere. The South Carolina State Band is called the Marching 101, and the Bethune-Cookman is the Marching uh, Wildcat Band. Uh, I'm excited for this game. Both of them played uh, FBS Florida teams. Uh, South Carolina State played UCF and was beaten soundly. Bethune-Cookman played Miami, uh, the Hurricanes, for the sixth time and has lost for the sixth time. Uh, And so both of them are going to be looking to get that first win. They're both going to be hungry about it. Uh, South Carolina State is a defending HBCU uh, champ. Uh, the, That's the right. Black national champions. And that, so, was a great, that was a great game last year. The celebration it bowl sure was. was. Uh, the celebration bowl was awesome. Uh, uh, and I'm excited to see one of these teams get a W and kind of get their season started off right. I, yeah. I've, I, now that you mentioned that, I definitely remember, I remember watching that celebration bowl. It was a great game. I think everyone had written South Carolina state off. A mistake. Was just, and, and everyone <laughs> was just mistake. saying it was going to just roll over. And then yeah, I, it was just shocker. Yeah. That was a good one. It was a shocker to, to those that didn't know. Back in, yeah. Right. I, put me in that because i definitely was sure that jackson state was just going to roll on that one and they did not i I was i was like i I feel like you know the jackson state hype was too much and i just felt that south carolina state was gonna do that nobody believes in us thing and pull it off and that's what they did um the second game i have on this list um this one is you know i think it's important to kind of stump through these kind of things but jackson state will be playing tennessee state in the final southern heritage classic um this is a neutral site game where they they have played in Memphis every year since 1991. And uh, this is going to go away. Uh, there are some changes within the HBCU sphere of college football, but we're, we're looking to get away from the classics that are played on neutral sites and maybe start trying to get more home games in. Um, gotcha. That's, at least that's what, that's what the head coach over at Jackson State has said. This is, you know, uh, Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. He really wants to get away from the classics because again he wants another home game and i think that you know i I think that's fine but i also think there is something for rivalry there's something for tradition there's something to having two fan bases meet at a place uh these are in addition to football games they're family reunions they're uh opportunities to get together and so i i personally don't want to see them go away as an hbcu fan as someone who watched an hbcu classic stop being played from their alma mater um, that is something I would like to see continue. That, that's one thing I really love. I really enjoyed the classics. Growing up in New Orleans, I, I, I basically had to, you know, enjoy, honestly, the, the Bayou Classic, the one right. Southern and Grambling. And when I went to ULM for school, like Grambling was basically like maybe 30, 45 minutes away, just a little bit outside of, of, of Louisiana Tech. So that, that was something that I, when they were going down for Thanksgiving, I was going down for Thanksgiving with them uh, on the interstate on, on I-55, just driving down back to New Orleans to see them play Southern. And I, I got to really enjoy the, the Battle of the Bands, which is fantastic. And the family reunion aspect is a big thing because uh, one of my friends from high school, his, his mom was a Southern grad and his dad was a Grambling State grad. So they really uh, went after each other, which yep. is kind of, that's almost like Romeo and Juliet, really. 
if you think about it in the HBCU world, like they both uh, went at it and, and they there was a lot of trash talking uh, and they were my neighbors in New Orleans. They would just go at each other uh, the whole time and it was fantastic. So these classics that they have in the HBCU world, I, I really want to you know keep them around. Do you know if, if like, Eddie George, the coach of Tennessee State, said anything about this? Because I know Coach Prime doesn't want this, and he wants his home game in Jackson. But, I mean, has Eddie George said anything? Yeah, so Coach Eddie George, um, uh, former Heisman Trophy winner for the Buckeyes, uh, played for the Tennessee Titans and uh, I think the Houston Oilers before they were the Tennessee Titans, um, had a long career in the NFL. He is now the current coach at Tennessee State, and he – uh, has said he wants the game to continue. This was a contentious issue because the way Jackson State tried to get out of this contract violated the contract. So they Tennessee State would love to keep playing. They don't see any reason to stop playing. Um, Jackson State has a different set of priorities at the moment that align with what the coach may be looking to do in the future. I don't want to speak for Coach Prime. I, you know, I think what he's doing for Jackson State is good. What he's doing for HBCU football, you know, we, I think there are different factions within that. Some people think it's good. Some people think it's not so good. Uh, I, I personally think what he's doing is good. Getting eyes on it is fine. I don't think we should do that at the expense of, um, like you said, the classics. To that point. Uh, Tennessee State may or may not be getting courted by the SWAC to join the SWAC. I don't know all the details. It was kind of like a floated idea, like, hey, let's get them out of the OVC, gotcha. um, the Ohio Valley Conference. But we don't know for sure, and I don't know what the appetite is from either side, both Tennessee State and the SWAC. That's weird because you think about the conference realignment, maybe like Texas and Oklahoma going to South uh, Southeastern Conference, but you don't really understand the trickle-down effect when you're talking about the HBCUs in like Division Two. We're talking about FCS. I mean, the random uh, realignments and everything that's affecting it. And I mean, we pay attention to all this little stuff at the bottom and shout out to, to Matt Brown and extra points and everything like that. You know, basically it's filtering down to like more and more levels than you even realize. And then something like this, you know, the Southern heritage classic, I mean, it's something that, you know, if you grew up in new Orleans, you grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, I mean, you know, shout out to Yazoo city, uh, Mississippi and things like that. You grew up in Vicksburg, anything in that area, basically that, that classic is something that you have circled on the calendar every year and that's, that's right. just something that you know you hate to see go away and these traditions are slowly starting to filter away with all this random realignment not just on the big levels when you know ucla and, and usc are going to the pack uh leaving the pack 12 to go to the big 10 but like it filters all the way down uh to yeah. every single level of college football it really does and again I, you know w- the traditions of these classics are very important to the people who enjoy them. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, coaches are impermanent to say the least, but the people who watch these games and enjoy these games and love these games and love that rivalry, or even more to the point that camaraderie you have with say your, your HBCU rival, um, that's very important. You know, like I'm a Norfolk state grad. I went to Norfolk state university, which is an HBCU in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We played, when I was an undergrad, we played the Labor Day Classic every year, and we played Virginia State, who we affectionately call Big State, because when Norfolk State was founded, the HBCUs at the time that existed, Virginia Union, Virginia State, St. Paul's College, um, they all came together to form an HBCU in the part of Virginia that had the most 
African American living there, which is wow. southeastern Virginia, uh, Hampton Roads area. Yeah. And they said, well, there, there's only one school here, which is Hampton Institute, but that's a private school. And they're, you know, they're a private school. They do private school things. They may not participate with the Commonwealth. And so they wanted to create a public HBCU. And out of that came Norfolk Polytechnic, and then that became Norfolk State College and eventually Norfolk State University. But that was shepherded and guided by Virginia Union, who then turned it over to Virginia State. And so we affectionately call Virginia State big state because they carried us, our university, into existence during the Great Depression, during Jim Crow, during, you know, prior to the Brown v. Board of Education, while all of those crazy things are happening, we hear about Little Rock Nine, we hear about all of right. these other instances where segregation is like the big deal when we talk about Norfolk State and it's it's coming into existence, you know, it started as a classroom in the YMCA and then the next year they tore down the YMCA. So, you know, w- when we talk about that, it's like Virginia State, bought land and had land they, they bought a golf course they donated that to norfolk state to make it exist you know we wish to honor them by playing them yeah. and so we miss being able to do that but of course that's me waxing poetic so on here you absolutely have your your alma mater on here norfolk state is heading to james madison that's right how are you feeling about you feeling about that W? Feeling about yeah, that? I feel pretty strongly about it. I picked them in my FCS upset draft. It should oh, be 100 points. There you go. Love it. But they, 100 uh, points? It should be, but it's oh, Okay, what did they rate it at? They rated it at 5 or five or 10. That's, what, what that's before we knew that James Madison was going to just start knocking heads. Ooh. But yeah. Oh, they should have. They should be 100. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Norfolk State has played James Madison in the past. Uh, James Madison is our local bully on the block. Norfolk State has never shied away from playing anybody in the Commonwealth that will have us. We should say that. We'll play anybody in the Commonwealth that will have us. James Madison has always invited us to come out to Harrisonburg. We've done it several years in a row. Uh, we play them in both football and basketball. And uh, Norfolk State has beaten them multiple times in basketball. There you go. But uh, this, will be, this will be a good shot for us to play an FBS opponent. And uh, hopefully we can get a, get a W in the win column. And then the last one we have here, we got Alcorn State heading to Tulane. Yeah, so there's this small private school in New Orleans. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> called Tulane University. That's right. Um, Roll and, wave. They're going to be playing Alcorn State, which uh, for those of you who are curious or want to know a little bit of history, the current coach of Tennessee State, Eddie Robinson, his teammate on those great Tennessee Titans and Tennessee Oilers and Houston Oilers teams was uh, the late Steve McNair, who uh, came in, I think, fourth or fifth in the Heisman voting his senior year, was just a phenomenal player. Well, they're going to be heading down to New Orleans to play Tulane. It's going to be a great game, I think. Alcorn is, you know, when your best, your your biggest best rival is the talk of the world, and everyone, you know, this is the the Alabama effect. Auburn's like, well, we, we play them, we beat them all the time. Or, yeah. you know, you've got you've got your 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 Texas and your 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 uh, your Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's winning every Big Twelve championship, and Texas is like, well, we beat them all the time. And this is the same thing for Jackson State and Alcorn. You know, Alcorn and Jackson State play in what's known as the Soul Bowl. They used to play in the Capital Classic. Uh, they used to only play that game in Jackson, Mississippi. Alcorn State then built a new stadium and said, well, why don't we play this on our campus? And it was resisted for a little bit. But then eventually, you know, Jackson State said, you know what? You're right. The fans demand it. And so they now alternate between home and home. But they now call it the Soul Bowl and have called it that intermittently. But I, I think this is a great opportunity for Alcorn to really showcase what they've got. They had... You know, they play Jackson State tough. They've got a lot of production coming back. And they're looking to they're, they're looking to make hay in this game. 
Um, they, they feel like they have a solid chance against Tulane. I, you know, I think they might put up a fight for longer than you might suspect. And, and I think that there's going to be a good game. I, I hope it's a good game. Yeah. We may get, who knows what we might get. You know, you got to wait till Saturday. But I put it on here because they're going. And, and I figured the uh, New Orleans resident would be able to tell me <laughs> what he thinks of the game. Well, you know, Tulane was able to to handle the, the Don Brown mustache in the the reign of UMass last week. That's right. Yes. Uh, they did they did cover the spread. I think it was twenty eight and a half points, and they beat them by thirty two. Tulane, I, I hope Willie Fritz can get back on the the grind here. I would expect Tulane to come out and and, and hopefully handle their business and, and defeat Alcorn. I, I'm very familiar with Alcorn State also. Because when I would drive up to ULM, it's a little bit, you know, we would take a shortcut through like Utica, Mississippi or something like that to catch off of I-55. And you could take a left and I think in Utica to go to Alcorn or you take a right to go to Vicksburg. And I'm very familiar with that. And that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just as old that McNair was in school at the time that I was in school. Uh, right. So I'm very familiar with that in the Steve McNair, the Alcorn State, you know, Braves and everything. So I hope uh, that Tulane, you know, gives them a good game and, and Alcorn State plays well. But, you know, I, I'm going to pull for the the, the you know the hell of a hullabaloo uh, win over there in the in the roll wave and and hopefully Willie Fritz can get this team back after his that two and ten season last year and get to their second win already. Well, gentlemen, I think we've covered everything from here and back. Blue, thank you so much for coming one, on and like one more thing. So Brian Kelly had a press conference today. Oh God, did he? Did he yes, really? he did. He did have a press conference. So what did he trot out there? Brian Kelly said that no, I'm just saying I'm not gonna do the the the, the Bobby Boucher action. I'm not gonna do that. But Brian Kelly tried to do like the professor at, at the class, like, hey, why are you showing up late for my press conference? And he, he was trying to be funny, and you know, LSU fans not really happy with the loss. I'm gonna say that they're uh, the message boards were on fire. They they want him. He, he's basically already on the hot seat after like one year signing like a nine year, hundred million dollar contract or after one game, essentially already on the hot seat with LSU, uh, which, you know, LSU fans normally level headed all the time. Yeah, it's for them. Yeah, of course, they're they're very, 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 you know, again, from New Orleans, uh, I've experienced the Jerry DiNardo era of LSU. So definitely. Big fans there. We don't necessarily know for sure if this was T-Bob Hebert of like, you know, the Bobby Hebert fame and the former former center of LSU football. Somebody, he was just trying to poke fun at him. And then basically the, he responded. He says, maybe if you win, I'll be on time. <laughs> so the Brian <laughs> Kelly era, the Brian Kelly era wow. is off to a, a beautiful start in Baton Rouge. Wow. Uh, <laughs> these oh boy rough, I, cra- you know, rough crowd tiger fans are not one to really mess with great show blue thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us great i'd love to come back you guys are awesome i love the work you guys are doing um i love the committee's work i, I think you guys are really shining a light on an unseen aspect of our sport and i love that because i love seeing people enjoy the game it means a lot to me personally Thank I you mean, so that's, much, what the, that's what the sickos are. We're, we're watching everything associated with college football. And, and again, I just wanted to clarify, like, we're not calling your team sicko. But we are the sickos. We're the ones that are watching everything and basically just looking like the guy in the meme itself, just watching every college football game possible and, and just, you know, inhaling everything that we see and just tweeting and, and making silly jokes randomly about it. So I, I want to wish you guys, a, you know, a happy yes 
haha yes and uh, we'll have a special edition of the uh, the sickos synopsis uh, in honor of the LSU FSU game coming out and we appreciate you listening so y'all have a good one everyone have a good week too and we'll see you on the other side thank you everybody take care